Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Postmortem on the midterms. Liz Schuler of the AFL-CIO speaking out, saying, yes, workers did make a big difference. Today on the show, the latest from the United Auto Workers and the Indiana State Building Trades. Welcome to the Thursday, November 10th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with a longtime supporter of the show. That would be Josh Nasser on behalf of the United Auto Workers, UAW.org. Josh serves as the legislative director for the UAW. And every time we have him on the show, I always got to make a mention of their vehicle guide, the UAW Union Built Vehicle Guide. And you can get that right off their website. And they have all the uh, 2023 models listed there. Josh is going to talk about the uh, the midterms and some thoughts on a lame duck session. And uh, the bottom line is this. What happened on Tuesday was pretty good for workers, not in all states. But let's just focus now for a second on Michigan. And I saw this on a Team AFL-CIO. They have the UAW posted all over their page talking about how union voters propelled labor-backed candidates to victory in Michigan. And get this, for the first time in nearly four decades, the state will have a pro-worker majority in the legislature. That is truly significant. The governor there, Gretchen Whitmer, beat back an extremist challenger to win re-election. And that's thanks in large part to the unions with the UAW at the top of the list. Now, while some races are still up in the air, the results show that pro-worker candidates have won a majority in both the state House and the state Senate. Got a quote here from uh, Ron Bieber. Ron comes from the UAW, and he is currently the uh, state federation president in Michigan. Ron said, Michigan's labor movement helped elect an unprecedented wave of pro-labor leaders on Tuesday. Voters sent a clear message that Michigan is a union state, and we ensured victory for lawmakers who will support working people. That's pretty significant, and I say that because... Let's go back about 12 years when Rick Snyder, staunch conservative, was elected governor. And one of the first things he did was to make Michigan a right-to-work state. Now we have an opportunity to turn that around. Major stuff there, major stuff there. So uh, Josh is going to talk about that and, again, see what happens here in the uh, lame duck session. Jason Smith will be joining us later in the show on behalf of of the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council. He serves as a president on that council. And the website is inbctc.org. In addition to being the uh, State Building Trades president, Jason also serves as the business manager 
for the heat and frost insulators. That would be local 18. Some of the things we're going to delve into with Jason is the new building trades leadership across Indiana, new officers and an executive director at the state council, as well as many new younger local building trades council leaders. I like that. We'll also get his goals and vision for the state building trade. So Jason Smith will be our uh, second guest right here on America's Workforce. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. They offered fixed income, real estate, and equity investment options to clients nationwide, and have been doing this since 1928. Well, Liz Schuler sent out a thank you yesterday. Liz, of course, president of the AFL-CIO, and this is in reference to the midterm election. She said, first off, let me just say two words. Thank you. We organized like never before in this election, and it paid off in key races after key races. For those who were telling us that this would be a landslide election for corporate-backed political extremists, well, union voters replied, think again. Many races still on a razor's edge, and it'll take days before we know the final outcome in some of the states. Unions will always protect our freedoms, defend our democracy, and do everything we can to ensure that every vote is counted. Our work to build the labor movement of the future is just getting started together. We're defying the odds and blazing the trail to a better future for all working people in this country. Liz Schuler, President of the AFL-CIO. And when you go around the country, here's a couple of significant things that happen. Voters in Alabama, Tennessee, Vermont, and likely Oregon have voted to fully ban slavery and end involuntary prison labor. Yeah, I can't even believe I'm reading this, but state ballot initiatives in those four states, along with Louisiana, garnered significant attention leading up to the election. Now, although slavery was outlawed back in 1865 by the 13th Amendment, there were many state constitutions exempting incarcerated people from the slavery ban, permitting indentured servitude and forced labor for people in prison. Well, on Tuesday, voters in those five states voted on whether to amend their state constitutions to end that exemption. Now, voters in Alabama, Tennessee, and Vermont passed the anti-slavery ballot initiatives. Oregon is also likely to pass the initiative, although the results have not been fully tabulated. Meanwhile, voters in Louisiana, they rejected the measure. Several cities and states also voted on increasing the minimum wage. Voters in Washington, D.C. overwhelmingly approved Initiative 82, which will phase out the lower minimum wage for tip workers of $5.35 per hour, raising it to the city's minimum wage by 2027. Voters in Nebraska increased the state's minimum wage to $15 per hour. That'll happen in 2026. Nevada voters took to the polls to increase the statewide minimum wage to $12 per hour by 2024, 
while results weigh in favor, the result has not been called. And some of these states, Arizona, it may take till the weekend to count all the ballots. Nevada, maybe a little sooner than that. Strippers in North Hollywood, California, will have to wait a little bit longer to know if they won their union election. Now, as we reported on this about two months ago, I believe it was, strippers at the Star Garden Topless Dive Bar have been attempting to organize after the workers' concerns over safety conditions fell on deaf ears. Well, after the employer refused to voluntarily recognize the union, the workers petitioned the NLRB for a union election, and the board scheduled the election to take place on Monday. Well, the election results were inconclusive. However, as all but one of the workers' ballots was challenged. So, the employer is arguing that the challenge votes were cast by independent contractors, making them not eligible. Although the official election results will not be determined until the board resolves the issue, workers at the club are reportedly celebrating as they believe they have the votes to form a union. Kate Schindel is the person from uh, Actors Equity. In fact, uh, we had her on the show back, I believe it was in February. And that's the union, Actors Equity, that they are uh, currently affiliating with or trying to. And uh, one more here, Meta which is the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, announced this week they are cutting over 11,000 jobs. You know how they did this? They got an email. Each employee received an email describing how they are affected by the announcement. So some will stay, some will be let go. The CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, said this is a sad moment and described the cuts as one of the most difficult changes they've had to make in meta's history he went on to say i want to take accountability for these decisions and for how we got here i know this is tough for everyone and i'm especially sorry to those impacted he said he wrongly estimated that the revenue growth the company saw during the height of the pandemic would continue and therefore grew the company's investments but unfortunately it didn't play out Not only has online commerce returned to prior trends, but the macroeconomic downturn, increased competition, and ads signal loss that have caused our revenue to be much lower than expected. So he got it wrong, and 11,000 people are paying the price. All right, quick break. UAW with Josh Nasser coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. 
There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to Washington, D.C. right now and join a happy camper, Josh Nasser, who is the legislative director for one of our great sponsors. That would be the United Auto Workers, UAW.org is their website. And uh, Josh is ready to talk about what happened on Tuesday, not what a lot of people were predicting. Hey, Josh, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing well, and how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, the the red wave, well, it really didn't happen. We still you know, are waiting on some results, especially in Arizona. That's going to take some time, and it looks like December 6th will be the runoff in Georgia. But I was reading earlier, and hats off to the UAW, what they did in Michigan. And while we're at it, I got to do a shout out for the steelworkers because they definitely helped out with uh, John Fetterman in uh, the state of Pennsylvania. But uh, let's talk about the union involvement and uh, the surprise that happened on Tuesday. It's all yours, buddy. Yeah, I mean, well, it really shows that, uh, you know, why actually showing up and, you know, talking to people and going to vote really, really matters uh, because, uh, you know, all the, uh, the the folks who are always making bold predictions and, and uh, you know, experts, uh, if you will, were, you know, calling for uh, a landslide, uh, you know, Republican victory. Um, and that clearly didn't happen. And UAW endorsed candidates did very, very well. Um, you know, UAW members were very active in their support for endorsed candidates, you know, uh, talking to their fellow, uh, you know, brothers and sisters on the line, but also, uh, you know, just uh, making making those phone calls and knocking on the doors. So basically, um, you know, it showed that when people are engaged, I mean, we had record turnout in this, in this midterm. And, um, you know, there are several, uh, you know, Democrats, um, you know, who, who were uh, presumed to be uh, have no chance than, in fact, won. And, you know, I think what it shows is that uh, people are uh, paying attention to results. I mean, partly is what it shows. And, and uh, you know, this Congress, the current Congress is, has been incredibly productive between passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, the, the infrastructure law, CHIPS, uh, I could go on and on, uh, you know, veterans. Um, so, you know, very productive Congress and pe- people notice. And the other thing is that, um, you know, I think it's very clear that uh, people want a voice when it comes to, uh, you know, their own private affairs and their body in the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, has overreached and is likely to continue to overreach. And I think that's part mm-hmm. of the, the situation as well here. You know, what's amazing, you mentioned the record turnout, 
but there was also a record amount of money spent, especially by corporations. And uh, I believe the number was close to $17 billion. Now, we all know that unions don't have those kind of resources. So that makes this all that more important because what labor has is boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. And obviously there's a passion out there because don't you think – they pushed it a little too far when it comes to the extremists here. They were just going too crazy here, and that I think that kind of woke everybody up, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the uh, the the January sixth, uh, you know, uh, insurrection attack on the Capitol, and the response that we have seen, um, you know, from uh, from many of those involved and, and the elected officials who were supportive of it, um, it's incredibly alarming and unprecedented in U.S. history. Um, so, you know, it stands to reason, and I think exit poll is showing us that people are really concerned about making sure that, uh, you know, our country uh, remains a democracy. What I like is what happened in Michigan, which is the home state of the United Auto Workers, for the first time in four decades. In four decades, well, they got a Democratic governor. She had a tough fight. She was almost kidnapped by those extremists, but they have Democrats in the both the House and the Senate. Uh, that's amazing in itself. And, and Josh, think about this. Back in 2010, I mean, Michigan made a far turn to the right. That's only 12 years ago, and that ended up being a right-to-work state. Do you think, do you think, we're speculating here now, with those majorities that they could probably reverse that in the state of Michigan? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I really am not in a position to tell you as far as, uh, you know, uh, the vote count and what's what's kind of, you know, on the, uh, the agenda of the new majority, just not, not aware. But um, as far as it being a possibility, um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, issues that had been, um, you know, uh, getting sidelined uh, in the, you know, lands for a long time um, can get addressed, including, um, you know, workers having, uh, you know, the ability to join a strong union. So, um, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly a possibility, whereas before it wasn't. All right, let's talk about the lame duck session here. Um, any ideas on what may happen and what may not happen in the weeks ahead? Uh, well, uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, this constant drama around, uh, you know, uh, whether the government's open, whether the, you know, whether we're going to default on our debt, those those type of things. Uh, which are manufactured prices. They don't need to be. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, cooler heads will prevail and that there'll be, um, you know, some 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 compromises here uh, to, to avoid those type of situations. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of unfinished business as far as, uh, you know, judges uh, to be confirmed. Uh, there's a lot of work left to do. The defense budget, you know, bill is not, is not done. So, uh, there's plenty of things that Congress can do, but it's really hard to know at this point um, because, frankly, I think you know the le- uh, the leaders and the parties are looking to to figure out who's in control first. So it's pretty, a bit hard to say at this point. Mm-hmm. But, but there's plenty of business to do. They do have to pass a bill to keep the government uh, open because it expires in mid December. This is kind of a weird time right now because we we don't know who's going to be in control, as as you pointed out. Uh, I mean, from all indications, is a pretty good possibility that the House will go to the Republicans. The Senate, we will probably get some indication on that when they have their runoff in Georgia. 
with that being said, how, how do you plan for something like this at this stage? I mean, do you plan for the worst and, and hope for the best or, or what? Some of that, but I think the other thing we always go back to is kind of like what are, you know, what are our membership and our leadership? Um, what are the goals? What are we trying to get done? And, um, and then figuring out, you know, our best opportunities with, with what we have. And, you know, we, we still have more work to do. I mean, we, we still have a situation where, you know, our, our National Labor Relations Act has now been strengthened since it became the law uh, in the 30s. Um, and, you know, union busting is still uh, an enormous problem. Um, so, you know, we have to address labor rights. Um, we need to secure uh, voting rights. Um, and as, uh, you know, we, we have we have just so much more that can be done, but, but mm-hmm. there's a lot to build on. And implementation of the Inflation Reduction Act, um, you know, if it, the implementation is going to be really important because that could – um, you know, we're in a position where we could actually be, um, you know, really um, in, a, in, a, in an excellent position to dominate or have a very strong presence in the auto industry for decades to come if we do things in a smart way. So the implementation of the laws, the CHIPS Act, are going to be super critical. And, you know, it's going to depend who's in the majorities about whether how those laws are implemented. So the implementation of those laws to create good union jobs is going to be, you know, super important. Um you know, going into 23. You mentioned the uh, the labor board, and I do know that they're kind of in a crisis right now when it comes to funding. As you know, and anybody listening right now, there's a whole lot of organizing going on, and they're still working on a budget from, I believe, at least maybe a decade or two ago. Now, can they address that kind of thing in, in a lame duck, to your knowledge, or is that something they're going to have to wait? But with that, that kind of scares me, too, especially – if we get some conservatives in charge there, you know they don't want to fund this agency. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely something that can get done in the lane of The answer is yes to that question, and it's certainly something that we'll need to get done. You know, I should also add that you know we're we're hopeful that um, uh, you know TAA to help displaced workers from from trade, um, you know, will also be expanded. Um, so there's you know, but but as far as uh, the need for um, you know, for there to be an LRB enforcement, it's absolutely critical because, you know, what we see is just this brazen behavior by employers all over the country, um, you know, to intimidate workers. And um, if uh, if you don't have recourse, if you don't have the folks there to, to look into it, to do investigations, um, you know, it just lets this, this uh, bad behavior continue unabated. So it's absolutely critical that the National Labor Relations Board uh, get uh, get the funding it needs to do its job. You mentioned uh, trade adjustment assistance, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's a it's a great program. It's been around since uh, 1974, and it came to a screeching halt at the end of June. And I know Senator Sherrod Brown is trying to, uh, in the state of Ohio, is trying to uh, revitalize it and gets his colleagues together on that. Uh, do you think that? that that can happen in a lame duck and why it stopped like that. I don't know. So many people benefited from it, but what, what do you think? I think it's absolutely something that can, that can be done. Um, and it's something that, uh, you know, should get done. So, I mean, what we're hoping for is that it'll be a, um, there's just so much of the people's business that needs to get done. They just can't wait. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important to have a, uh, you know, to get as much done as you can during the lame duck. And then, obviously, depending on, 
you know, uh, how the remaining results turn out in the election and who's in the majorities, uh, you know, we'll have to assess, assess from there. But one thing is very clear, and that is that, um, you know, that uh, President Biden, uh, you know, really defied all expectations in history. Um, and uh, there's really no precedent, you know, with, with the inflation rates where they are um, and of an incumbent and, and just historical, you know, midterm trends for, you know, first term of a president. It's, it's, it really speaks volumes to the fact that at the end of the day, if people show up and have their voice heard, that's what matters. It's not what mm-hmm. all of what the pundits say months beforehand that matters. So it's important that people, you know, exercise their rights. And that's encouraging. That's very encouraging. And a lot of people voted for the first time, it seems. Very good. Well said, my man. Josh Nasser. Legislative Director for the United Auto Workers, proud sponsor of America's Workforce, UAW.org is our website. You take care, stay safe, and I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about next month. Okay, buddy? Absolutely. Okay, take care. Thanks, bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Jason Smith is the president of the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council. He will be coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron Workers, the sky's the limit. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Before we go to uh, Jason Smith, Jason is the uh, president of the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council. I just want to call attention. As you know, tomorrow is Veterans Day, and what we're doing is a special edition of America's Workforce. It's going to be all about veterans. We're going to start the show off with Mike Hazard. 
Mike comes from the United Association Veterans in Piping Program. And he's been on the show a number of times. Great guy. Was in the Navy. And he's a 23-year member of the union. And he's the program manager for Veterans in Piping. It's a it's a super program. And uh, it's helped a lot of vets transition into a really, really good career, the pipe trade. So he's going to be our first guest. And then we're going to have uh, Marty Helms. Marty is the executive director of another great program, Helmets to Hard Hats. And uh, he's going to talk about his role in uh, in that organization. And uh, his union career started with a IBEW, local 306 in Akron, Ohio. He's an inside wireman, then became a training director. And uh, he'll be talking about how uh, that program works and the future of Helmets to Hard Hats. That's going to be in our special Veterans Day show tomorrow right here on America's Workforce. All right, let's go to Indiana right now and join Jason Smith on behalf of the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council website. Real simple, inbctc.org. And in addition to being a state building trades president, Jason also serves as the business manager for the heat and frost insulators. That would be local 18. Jason Smith, welcome back to America's Workforce. I know you were on the show before. How are we doing today? How's Indiana doing today? Oh, the weather's great in Indiana. We're doing we're doing great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some crazy wet in uh, in the Cleveland, Ohio area. We're looking at 70 today. It's going to change because of the hurricane moving up here, but uh, definitely good for construction. So, talk to me a little bit about the. Uh, the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council, your territory, members. Let, let's just get all that out of the way. Go ahead. Well, we cover the whole, obviously, the whole state of Indiana, and uh, we have about 75,000 people with retirees also that we uh, we represent. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great council. Uh, we, uh, we have every trade represented that uh, at the level, of, and uh, our executive board is uh, is – pretty well versed so yeah it's a it's a great organization you uh started with the heat and frost insulators um talk to me about that part what made you go in that direction when you were uh, when you were getting involved in the trades well growing up in a small town in indiana there wasn't a lot of options uh it was a coal mining area and a friend of the family and, and invited me to come up and sign the book and everything just kind of took off from that that point we uh we didn't have a lot growing up, but uh, you know we had enough, and the opportunities uh, in the small towns not really there. Uh, so the the trades was the only direction to go, and got the opportunity and took the most of it. Well, what town are we talking about, Jason? Jasonville, Indiana. Jasonville, Indiana, for Jason Smith. Okay. <laughs> and when you say small town, what kind of population are we looking at? Uh, just under two thousand people. That is a small town. <laughs> that is a very small town. I, I get it. Everybody knows everybody there. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, so the funny how, thing is, is I, I grew up in a suburb of a small town. So I oh grew my. up in a smaller town. So, yeah, it's a little little area, but it's it's, a, it's always been home and it's always going to be home. So so when was that? How long for you in the trades now? I'm 22 years in now. Good, good, good. And local 18, Heat and Frost doing okay over there? Yeah, we're doing we're doing pretty good. We're in a little bit of a dip right now. Got a handful of people on the book, but don't expect that to last very long. 
Gotcha. Okay, 75,000 strong. Work is pretty good. What kind of work are we talking about right now? Uh, and I, I know it's probably just going to increase, especially with the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. What's what's the outlook there? Well, I mean, just with, with the Infrastructure and Jobs Act, I mean, we're looking at $6.5 billion uh, just in road construction alone on the horizontal construction, uh, probably another $400 million in bridge work. And that's not counting broadband and a few of the other things that, that goes along with it. Um, and like I said, that's on the horizontal work, uh, along with the $3 billion that the uh, governor had proposed uh, before the, the Jobs Act was signed. Um, and then as far as vertical construction, it, it's, uh, it's exploding. We have uh, close to a $2 billion hospital under PLA, uh, Methodist Hospital downtown. Uh, the total footprint of the project is is closer to, I'd say, probably $4, million, $4 billion. Um, We have a $2 billion battery plant coming in Kokomo, Indiana, um, and it's, it's, it's already broke ground also. Those two projects are moving forward. We have another battery plant in St. Joe County up in around South Bend, a lot of work up in Notre Dame. Um, we have a semiconductor plant that's going to be built in Lafayette. Uh, that's just under $2 billion. Um, Eli Lilly's announced that they're going to be building two plants in Lebanon. Um, that's going to be about $2 billion worth of work. And then we have a new uh, new uh, hotel that's going to be built on Pan Am Plaza, downtown Indianapolis, um, right around $650 million. So, and that's just what we have on the books. There's a lot more projected out in the Terre Haute way out west, things down in Evansville. Um, so there's there's a lot going on in the state. Construction-wise, in the next four or five years, it's going to be just outstanding here in Indiana. That's pretty amazing. Now, now when did all this happen, and, and did it happen all at once? I mean, you listed a lot of projects here, Jason. Yeah, I mean, basically, we have about 15 years worth of work that we're going to have to get done in five years, um, and it all happened at once. Um, you know, there in probably about a span of two months, they started announcing projects. We we were well aware that Methodist Hospital was going to be building a new uh, hospital here in downtown Indianapolis, and the size and the scope, and been we'd been negotiating a project labor agreement uh, through the building trades and uh, with uh, Wellhelm and with IU Health. And that was a project that we were we were basing you know our workload off of, and then all of a sudden it just started it started being basically another project every every other day that they were announcing. Um, you know, it's kind of one of them one of them deals where as soon as they announce another project, you uh, okay now I got to change my 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 plan on on where we're going to be and um, you know get our contractors on board and the local on board. Uh, obviously, with that amount of work, recruiting and retention is a is a number one thing you know on our mind. Trying to make sure that we have enough people to to man a project and you know there's not been a project in the state of Indiana that we haven't manned yet and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna rise to the challenge on it. Yeah. You have to rise to the challenge. There's no doubt yeah. about that. My gosh, 15 years of work that you got to get done in five years. That's that's pretty amazing to me. That project labor agreement you referenced, I believe that was a hospital. Um, yes. Was that difficult to accomplish? I know there's there's a struggle on some of those. I'd like to know the story on that one. Well, it's a, it's a strange dynamic. We I think the last uh, real project labor agreement um, that we had here in in our, my area here in Indianapolis was the uh, Eskenazi Hospital, and that was back in 2011 and 2000. I think it ran from 2010 to maybe 2013. 
we had an NCA agreement down on a uh, gas plant down in Martinsville, Indiana, and those are really the only two project labor agreements that we had. Um, so we were really optimistic. Uh, our past the executive director and president of the building trades, John Griffin, worked really hard with IU Health and and Wellhelm to uh, be able to get that that agreement in place and work really hard. But it's a good agreement, and uh, you know we 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 know it's going to work well. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have projects, the scope that you're talking about, it, it usually involves working with lawmakers on a local basis, on a statewide basis. And we're talking incentives, tax abatements, things of that nature. Um, is, did a lot of that happen to, to create a lot of these projects? And I'd like to know your role in all of that, because obviously you want to make sure that they're a union. So can we talk about that part? Yeah, I, on, on a local level, um, you know, a lot of these projects here are, are, are private projects. So I believe a lot of the PLAs and everything else that's coming in place has to do with the federal money um, that's coming in. Uh, I know that the, the Biden administration makes sure that there we're at least talked to as far as the building trades whenever uh, federal money comes in. You sure. know, and uh, the, the battery plants, the semiconductor plants, you know, the, 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 the those big projects, that has a lot to do with it. Um, but we're, you know, we're going to take every advantage of it. Now, as far as the Methodist Hospital, that was just a local agreement. And uh, it was just uh, IU Health being a good partner with us and also wanting to have a good product, you know, on, on their, their footprint. Like I said, not every building out there is going to be under the, uh, fall under the, the PLA, just the main hospital. They have a uh, an education uh, hospital that they're putting in, university. Um, they also have um, medical office, you know, buildings. They have parking garages. They have a powerhouse. Those things don't fall underneath the project labor agreement, um, but our contractors have been pretty competitive and you know securing the work around that footprint. I gotcha. Jason Smith joining us on our live line today. He is the president of the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council website inbctc.org. We talked about all those projects. We'll talk about the apprenticeship program. We got to make sure we get the workers for them, and also. Changes with leadership, new officers. We'll get into all of that right after this. You're listening to America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants. 
telecommunications, CWA passenger services, public health care, and education workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this uh, next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. In fact, Melissa Cropper will be joining us on the show next Tuesday. And she's pretty happy camper today because they had three candidates for the State Board of Education that they were rallying for, and all of them won on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said at the top of the show, labor made a big, big difference in various parts of the country. Let's go back to Indiana right now. Jason Smith is joining us. He is president of the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council. Anything you could share with us in Indiana uh, as far as what happened on Tuesday, Jason, before we get into your apprenticeship programs there? You know, we're, we're, we're pretty satisfied with the, you know, the elections here. Uh, there were some of our friends who retained their seats. You know, I think there was a couple losses that uh, we wasn't expecting. But for the most part, we're pretty pretty happy with the way the things come out. Um, it is Indiana. It is a red state. And, you know, like I told you the last time I was on, you know, we, we try to make friends on both sides of the aisle and uh, support the people who support labor. And, you know, every time you have an election, you just have to go back in and there might be new people to uh, introduce yourselves to and, you know, basically keep the ties that you have rolling uh, until the next cycle. Let, let me ask you this. When you get new people on board, do they have a clue of what the trades do, like their apprenticeship programs, that that you fund these programs, you educate the skilled workforce. Does that conversation go on? And and maybe you could share some of the times you've had that conversation with uh, with the new members, and whether it's a state legislature, state senate, anything like that. Well, what you find is it is always a constant battle. It, it's it's something that we have to reintroduce, we have to remind. Um, so you know we're constantly trying to sell the apprenticeship and and the opportunities and what what makes us different you know the amount of money the the forty eight million dollars we spend a year just alone in the state of Indiana for private education you know none of this is funded by the taxpayers and we have to let them know you know uh, what the building trades is all about and uh, you know try to make some inroads and that goes both ways you know you can't expect somebody to be a friend to you if you're not a friend of them you know there's any time that we can jump in and help out on you know maybe an issue that's not necessarily a building trades issue but we also see you know value in we 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 try to jump in and be a partner too Um, you know not just show up when we need something so it's always a work in progress, uh, especially with the apprenticeship. I mean, it's a, the world's biggest unknown secret, except for in our world. Our world um, trying yeah. to get into the schools is is very very difficult because uh, 
we need we need ourselves to be in there giving the message on what we're about, and not somebody really speaking for us. And that's that's really a tough thing for us to do. Um, you know, if we could do something along the sides of the way the military is able to get into the school and let people know about their opportunities, you know, you would think that the building trades would be able to uh, get in and do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? The military is still having a tough time too with with recruiting. They're they're way behind in recruiting, so it, it's difficult on on a lot of fronts right now. And and I'm just wondering too if these counselors. I don't know what the situation is in Indiana, but you know the counselors like to drive everybody to college, the kids to college. Uh, I think that's changing. Maybe you could tell me differently. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a big push, uh, at least in Indiana, as far as sending kids into some kind of trade or some kind of apprenticeship. Uh, the problem is, is our our business model. Um, I don't think they're too familiar with what we do or or how to get a kid into the program. Plus, with all the career pathways that they have set up, there's there's direct placement into uh, college programs and and things along that lines. And you know, there's a lot of legwork that we have to work on the, on the building trades, and we have been. Uh, we we've been trying to partner with Ivy Tech um, to uh, to help that you know situation. Uh, come through a little bit easier for us and uh, have more opportunity for the kids um, and more opportunity for us to be able to recruit. It's, it is it is very difficult because, again, we have a specific business model. It's, it's things that we have done for forever. And we got to take a look internally, too, and change some of the things that we're doing to make it easier for the kids to come in and uh, be able to get in the apprenticeship. You uh, want to talk about leadership, with the uh, with uh, what's going on in Indiana, I guess there's some uh, new officers, and apparently we've got some young blood there. What uh, what's the story there, Jason? And how's this happening? Well, um, we have just here in the central Indiana, we've we've had quite a turnover as far as who was in leadership in the in the trades and in the unions compared to where we were probably a couple of years ago. Um, uh, we had Pete Remsens, who was the executive director of the State Building Trades, has moved on into a uh, another firm and, and taken uh, full advantage of uh, the skills that he has. And you know, he's he, he's a graduate of uh, Notre Dame University, and um, he's doing some consultant work. You know, he's still doing work with the building trades, but uh, he he moved on, and uh, we we hired a young man by the name of Rob Henderson. Um, Rob's not even 40 years old yet, uh, but he's got years of experience. He's been around the unions for a long time. He worked with the AFL-CIO for the state of Indiana for quite a while. He's always been really plugged in, very, very sharp young man, and uh, I'm really excited to see where he's going to where he's going to take the building trades and being able to be president of the building trades and partner with him. I took over as president of the building trades, um, I believe, at the end of September. And uh, basically what that means is there's been a 100% turnover since I come on the executive board in 2015. So everybody that I come on the executive board with, they're they're all gone, and I'm, I'm moved up to president. So... Um, and then we also have John Hooker. I believe John been a guest on your on your guys' podcast. John's the uh, president and executive director of the Indianapolis Building Trades downtown. Uh, John's you know just, he's in his lower forties. And then we also have Dave Price, who just happens to be my uh, my market rep and organizer here at Local 18, as a president of the Indianapolis CLC. Uh, which is the first time we've had an insulator and building trades guy uh, as head of that council. And 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a young group of officers here in central Indiana, and there's more across the state. Uh, really excited. You know, everybody has agendas, everybody has goals, and everybody voices their opinion. And uh, it's, it's nice to have a young face to uh, organize labor in Indiana. Um, I think it bodes well as far as recruitment, and it bodes well as far as energy. Um, we're, we're hoping to do some really, really good things and tie, uh, tie everybody together and move things forward and put people to work and, uh, you know, uh, give everybody the benefit that they need. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 it's, it's really interesting time, and uh, hopefully we can take advantage of it and be able to get something done here in the state. Yeah, that's interesting. That doesn't happen too often, especially in an influx of so many young people into uh, into the leadership position. So, with that being the case, what about the membership? Because I know nationally, when it comes to the trades, there's a there's a problem here. I mean, a lot of them are in their fifties in some cases, not, not everywhere. What's it look like in Indiana when you, I'm sure you've got some, uh, some statistics on that. What what are we looking at right now, Jason? You know, I'm not sure what the average age is, you know, for the construction worker in Indiana. I mean, we've, we are focused on recruiting. We're, we're focused on keeping, you know, a younger uh, workforce. And by nature, the, the construction workforce should be, you know, a younger workforce. Um, by the time that you retire, you know, by climbing around on ladders and working on a construction site, um, you know, you've you've been through the ringer. You you've done something if you get through your career, and uh, you you see that a lot. I think the problem is, is you know, the 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 baby boomers are retiring, and. Uh, you know, we're we're trying to replace them all on all fronts, and uh, right. you know, as far as recruiting, you know, our benefit package, um, you know, what what we give as far as medical insurance and our pensions and our HRA funds, and you know, the benefit of collective bargaining and everything, you know, we're 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 trying to sell a, a better lifestyle than uh, you know going to a factory and working, you know, or a um, a fast food restaurant uh, to the, this young generation, um, and like I said, I, I got high hopes. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can revamp a few things on our end that makes it a little bit easier to not necessarily shortchange and get in, but just make the make it easier as far as the processes of getting into the trades. Um, I think there's a lot of red tape that uh, we need to we need to get cut and uh, streamline a few things. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that we can. Uh, we can take care of all that. Yeah. Well, Jason, you know, through this conversation, I got the sense that you got your finger on the pulse over there and, and you have to keep it on that pulse because that pulse is going and you got a lot of work on, on the calendar here. You mentioned just in road construction, 6.5 billion, 4 billion in bridges. I mean, then you got all the private projects that are going on and it's good to see that you got a PLA. So with all that going on, I mean, you got this young team of leaders there a lot of work on the horizon you got to have some goals in mind on on where you want to take the indiana state building and construction trades council there's got to be some kind of an agenda what would that agenda be jason well i mean you i've been i've been in this office for uh, 11 years now and there's nothing more aggravating than uh, having a hollow message and not not you know following up on what you plan on doing. Um, you know, 
As far as the state building trades, we we as the executive board feel that we ought to uh, facilitate as many things as we can for the the individual building trades councils and the individual members that we can. Um, you know, focus on getting our organizers back together, um, all on the same page, getting our presidents of our councils together, um, giving training, revamping our website, giving resources to the to the business managers and their presidents, helping uh, when it comes down to negotiating a PLA or talking about the PLA, um, just just actually having something uh, to where we're all tied together. I think through all the, the bad times that we had, we, we, we get, got a little splintered, you know, um, a little bit off track. And I, I honestly believe that all the presidents around the state, uh, we just got done having a convention and I thought it was a very, very good convention, had a lot of information, a lot of breakout sessions. And uh, I think everybody's interested in, in doing something together, and, and they all see the potential of what we have in the state and what we can do and the opportunity that we have to grow our membership and grow our market share. Um, it really is a positive time in the state of Indiana that's going to be coming up, and I think it's one that you only see – I don't even know if you see it every generation. Um, I don't know if I'll ever see something like this again as far as the work goes. Mm-hmm. One more question before uh, we uh, part ways here. What about uh, diversity in the trades, females, people of color? How are we faring in that regard in in the state of Indiana, in your opinion? It's just like everything else. That that is definitely a work in progress. Um, I mean – that's a lot of a lot I'm talking about as far as the red tape, you know, in our apprenticeship programs. Um, you know, we we always advertise exactly the same way. We always recruit exactly the same way in the same places and um you know, we gotta do a better job of uh getting ourselves out. Diversity uh in the trades is is paramount. Um diversity should happen organically and automatically anyway, but we know that that's not always the case. Um, but in order to meet our goals uh, as far as membership and manpower, it is absolutely necessary um, that we do. And, you know, it's it's always a challenge changing the culture. But I think Indiana is doing a really, really good job of it. Um, you know, we've, we've had great representation at the Trades Women Build Nations uh, from, you know, multiple locals in the area. Uh, I've heard nothing but positive things that's come out of that. You know, we're, we're, we're starting to see more and more come from that. And, um, again, here at Local 18, our president is uh, her name's Kim Patrick. I was in apprenticeship school with her, and uh, she's been president for I think she's in her third term. Um, you know, that's a great valuable uh, asset to have somebody that sets in an officer's position to be able to talk to to women and things along that lines. But no, like I said it, that's always a struggle, and it, I, 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 we're always working on it. Jason Smith, president of the Indiana State Building and Construction Trades Council. Again, the website is inbctc.org. Jason, I love talking to you. That was a good conversation. Let's do it again down the road. And I'm going to let you get back to work. you got a lot of work you got to take care of for all your members. So go to it, okay, brother? All right. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with Veterans in Piping. Yes, it's Veterans Day. Also, helmets to hard hats. Until then, all of you. Have a wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.